Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. He tried to be so polished. As a broadcaster, he says weird stuff, but it's almost funny at times. Judd Zolgad. Just from a baseball perspective, I really enjoy him. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Fantastic song that means one thing. That means it's time for Louie Nanny's weekly appearance on the Mackey and Judd show, which today, Louie, is Zolgad and Jamie Watson. Uh, and let's start off with the serious business of the week. Uh, your thoughts on uh, Don Lucia stepping aside as Gopher hockey coach after 19 seasons and uh, two national titles? Well, I think, you know, Don's had a lot of successes there. He's uh, won himself a couple NCAA championships. He was in the final of the Frozen Four there uh, a few times. He, uh, you know, he had uh, a lot of successes along the way. And I think as well he developed some great kids and and uh developed a lot of good students as well but uh you know he had 19 years there and i think he he felt it was time for a change and getting the 60s it probably was a, a good move for him yeah. to do that i think it was yep. it was smart it was timing the timing was great and i think it all worked out real well and lou i i think it's it's fair to say that in a situation like this too 19 years in this era is just a really long time it really is a long time in any era. <laughs> yeah, but I mean now, you know, you know. If you look at if you look overall at, uh, uh, I was at the general manager's dinner on Monday night, and I think since Barry Gary Bettman came in, and that's 25 years ago, they were celebrating uh, Gary's uh, quarter century uh, tenure. I think they said there were 101 coaches and managers in the NHL since then. Wow. <laughs> so. 19 years is a yeah. long time. Yeah, that that is. Uh, what's the plan here now? Have Have you talked to Mark about what you know how the school's going to proceed? Is the plan to put together a search committee to start to reach out to candidates, or what, what's the plan now um, to find Don's replacement in a timely fashion? Well, it's not going to be a search committee. I, you know, he, uh, he's going to touch base with some people that have interest in the program and and get their opinions, and then. Uh, He's going to sit down and interview people and, and make a decision, which I think that's the way you should be. You know, you should do it. He'll get all the input that he needs from a lot of different corners of the universe of the university here, and uh, then make a decision on interviewing a number of candidates, and then make a decision on who should be the coach. Lou, Jamie Watson here. You have a great article written by the great Sid Hartman out today in the trip <laughs> um, that talks about the uh, the coaching job will draw top candidates. Now, when you say that, and, and doing a little bit of a deeper dive into it, taking into consideration 
the college age nature of the players, the modern day area of recruiting. Um, will this be somebody that is a flashy signing like a PJ Fleck for the Gopher football team? Or will this strictly be made on who is the best coach available and the program recruits for itself? It's going to be, I'm certain it's going to be, it's not going to be a flashy signing. It might be a flashy name because, as I said, I'm in California, so I don't have the article. But as I told Sid, uh, there's going to be a lot of interest. There's a lot of interest in this program. And it might be a, a you know, a flashy name, so to speak, that ends up with the job. But the bottom line is he's got to be a good coach. He's got to be, he's got to represent the university well. He's got to be capable of winning. I mean, winning is why you you hire coaches, but to do it properly. I'm not talking about you know improperly, but a coach that can do it within the rules and do it properly and graduate students as well with their grades, get the kids to go to school and then have the best program. Uh, it's a combination of that. Whether he's flashy or not, I, I don't know because, as I said, there will be a lot of candidates, but you got to get the right one. Lou, in, in your mind, what's the importance uh, that, that this person now is a, a person who went to the school? Or is that not important in your mind? That he was an alumni? An, an M, yeah, an M man. Is I that important to you? from Hong Kong and speaks Chinese. Uh, as long as he wins. You know, uh, why should it be any different for the hockey team than it is for football or basketball? You go get the best available. And if he happens to be alumni, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. But if it's not alumni... That doesn't bother me. You know, I, I got to tell you, Judd, because this almost gets to the point where uh, people started, you know, for a while that say, oh, we got to have all Minnesota kids on the hockey team. Right. And it really irritated me because Mariucci came and got me in Canada. I didn't even know where Minnesota was. <laughs> and he took a lot of Canadians at the time. Mm-hmm. And Herbie had me recruiting guys like uh, Kenny Dryden and, and uh, Doug Risebro. So you, you recruit to win. And Patelny got the winning goal for Lucci in his first NCAA championship. So it's the same thing. When I was managing the North Stars, mm-hmm. and my scouts would come to me and say, okay, here's the list of players. Now, if there are two players equal, one was a Minnesota kid and one wasn't, I took the Minnesota kid. But if the other kid had a hair better ability, he was better, they liked him a hair better, I took the other kid. Because you've you got to do it to win. It's a bonus when you get the, the other facts, but... Uh, you know, we're, we're here to have a winning program. We want a winning program. Mm-hmm. And so there shouldn't be any constraints put on the athletic department or qualifications that they have to have. Other than they've got to be a college graduate or they can't coach. But but uh, other than that, you know, then you, then you pick the best, the, the best available person. So obviously wins are the most important thing, Lou. But how much does there also need to be somebody who comes in here and is enthusiastic and and I don't want to say rebuild because the program do- doesn't need that, but I feel like the fan base needs something. How important is it to bring somebody in, in here who has to do something that probably a gopher hockey coach has not had to do in a while, which is hit the banquet circus, the circuit, re-engage fans? Uh, because as we've talked about throughout the past couple of years, it is sad when face-off comes now and the building is half full. Judd, that's all part of a winning program. I don't think when I say wins, I just mean winning the board and, and, and don't don't have any obligation to the fans, the, the people of Minnesota, the uh, the alumni. That's all part of the job. 
when you look at a job description, it's not going to just say you win and that's it. No, mm-hmm. it's going to be you win under the rules that are, are set for you. Make sure your kids graduate. Make sure you have a relationship with the alumni. Make sure you're out selling the program. Make sure you find ways and help invigorate the program. That's all part of a job description that should be there. When you look back, we'll, we'll roll this back of everything that you just said of all the um, the the way that Don Lucia will be remembered in your eyes. Did he encompass all of that? Is that something that people will remember? What was what will be Don's legacy with the University of Minnesota go for hockey? Don's legacy will be that he's he won a couple of national titles. He he. Graduated students, uh, the majority of his students graduated, did extremely well in school. Uh, he turned out a number of uh, professional players, and he had a successful program for many of the years that he was here. Your opinion, though. That's everyone's opinion. That's my opinion. That's, That's my yours. Opinion. You share it with them? There's no other insight or any other personal touch that you would say being somebody such in the know well, from well, one coach to the other. Don is, Don is no different than anybody else. You are who you are. With your personality now, when you have a certain personality, Don's not really an outgoing guy. If you get to know him, he's very engaging, and and you'll really like him. And and I told him at one time the same thing I told Glenn Mason, who's a very good friend of mine. And Glenn, I was involved in his contract deal, and and I at one time I went to him and I said, Glenn, you you, you know you got to be you got to be more personable with people. You got to get out there and meet people more. This is not Ohio State. And and nobody cares if you're going to walk in, they're going to buy you a coffee because you're a football coach. But if you have a relationship with you, then they're going to want to spend time with you. And you got to let them know who you are because you got a great personality. Well, he didn't do that till after he was coaching. Then he gets on the radio and he's doing, and everybody loves him. And they meet him and he said to me three years after, he thought, he was, I can't believe how nice people are to me. I said, that's because you're nice to them. You're taking time to spend time with them. And which he didn't do because he was, you know, maybe he was all tied up with his job. And and Don could have been more engaging with the alumni. There's no question about that. That's not his personality. And if there's one thing that he could do again and do better, I'm sure that's what he'd want to do. And and, and it, it takes sometimes it takes an effort because your personality isn't the type of personality that makes you do certain things. And for him, that might have, might have been one. But uh, I always say the last guy that didn't make a mistake is on the cross. So everybody's got some negatives. And then, and after saying that, you know, he had uh, 19 years. He had a very successful run at the University of Minnesota. Uh, he has to be happy with the successes he achieved and the, and the student athletes he turned out. Louie, I have always said, and, and this is the first time that you have confirmed it, I have always told people you got to Mace. I knew you got to Mace. Because well, as a football coach, you're right. He was absolutely no fun, and he was a curmudgeon, and the media couldn't stand him. And I always said the transformation of Mace has to be Louie because he got into the private sector himself, and he became gregarious. I said, that is a nanny thing. I knew you did it. Well, I might, maybe I give him a nudge. <laughs> a nudge? That's more than a nudge. Uh, so if, if you were conducting this search yourself, how many names would be on your list, do you think? Would it be... Pretty big, or would it be a, a small one? No, it, it's going to be. Uh, it'd be a wide brush. I, I, I'd certainly like to know who has interest from uh, across the country. It, it doesn't have to be just here. I would. I would like to know in the qualification, the people. I want the, the best individuals that 
uh, could come in here and really uh, help the program and do all the things you talked about, Judd, and, and besides winning. And and uh, I always said you never know who's going to walk through the door until you open it. So mm-hmm. uh, you you got to wait to see what, what happens. When it comes to Motsko, is your sense that he might be interested in this job, or does he have too good of uh, fiefdom going up with St. Cloud State, do you think? Well, yeah, you know, when when you asked me that question, I got answered like uh, as if I was in Moscow's position. Sure. How I would feel. If I was Moscow, I'd be very interested in this job. That doesn't say that Moscow is. That's saying if I was Moscow. But having said that, I don't care. If you give me any name in college hockey, I'm going to say the same thing. For personally, I think it's the best job in college hockey. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I I hope that the best people are, are interested because, I really believe that uh, it would be good for them, and I and it would be good for the university, and and that's all I care about. I I don't know I don't know how you could be a college coach in the United States, except if you're uh, you know in Boston, you lived in Boston, your coach like Jerry York, and you're older, uh, or maybe Danny Quinn who went to BU is playing there. But outside of that, I, I don't know how you could be in any other job there and not look at this and say, hmm, that'd be interesting to me. Lou, this might sound nuts, uh, but with with nine games left, your confidence that the Wild is going to be a playoff team, and the only re- reason I ask that is these nine games, uh, for the most part, are absolute killers. You're right, and uh, I, I just was looking at the the near schedule. Uh, first of all, I, I know that six more points might get him in, and I'm sure that seven points will get him in. Mm-hmm. Having said that, that means that, you know three wins is paramount. One of those wins has to be against Dallas because that'll just about kill Dallas because they have two games with them. So Dallas has got one less game to play, two games gone with without changing position. So now Dallas would, you know, they're going to be, I think they got eight left, right? So they that would leave them with six left with still, you know, four points behind. So one game's got to be Dallas. If they can win that one game and then get a tie, Against Boston mm-hmm. or Nashville, one one of those two games got to get tied at least this weekend. Yep. Yeah, and then uh, then two other games along the way, and and that's it. I think that the the one thing that would scare me if I'm them is I think if they don't get Spurgeon back, they might be in huge trouble. They might be dead. Spurgeon, the, the Kings game, Lou, a couple nights ago was a fun game to watch, and it felt like a playoff game, but without Spurgeon there, it changes the entire dynamic of the blue line, I think. Well, it changes, but I have to tell you, Murphy plays pretty well. He does a lot of good things that Spurgeon does offensively. So they're, they're going to... They gain quite a bit offensively. You know, I mean, it's not as big a loss offensively. It's more loss defensively because Spurgeon's really unheralded for how good defensively he is. But uh, by playing more minutes with uh, Sewer and, and Brodeen and Dumba, that, that sort of helps. And, you know, there's no doubt that the most important thing is goaltending. You can't. You can't afford a bad goal now from now on. You've you, you, you got to give your team a chance to win every game. And if you look at Los Angeles, yeah. I don't know why it is, but their third-period record is unbelievable. They've come from behind so many times to gain points. And so it's it's not a, just a Spurgeon thing. It's more an L.A. thing. Mm-hmm. And and uh, it's unfortunate they, they got back, but 
you got to you got to give Wild credit. They were down two, yeah. came back to score the next three. So, how about quick too? Woo. Pardon me. A quick playing goal for the oh, Kings. Man. I mean, he play he I mean, plays that style that, that I think that, if yeah. most guys try to play it, it's damn near impossible for most people. But he's phenomenal. Well, how many times have people said in the last ten years he's the best goalie in the league? Yeah, and you know, playoffs. And, yeah, and, and they start taking it away from giving it to Perry, uh, Carey Price. Now, Quick's better than Carey Price again. You're right. You know, uh, I mean, Quick. When you got Quick in the net, you know you got one of the top goaltenders in the net, game in and game out. You, you, you can go to work very comfortably and not worry about your goaltending. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Thank, Thank you, guys. Nice talking to you. See you. Louie, from, from where, David? California this time? That's what he told us, yes. Lou Nanny, of course, appears with us on Mackie and Judd today. Uh, Zolgan and Watson, 10 o'clock every Thursday. Let's take a break, uh, come back, react to some of that. And plus, we'll get an update from what's going on next door in the grudge match. We're ready. Are you? The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Ready, master control? Ready, switch on. This is 1500 ESPN. And we are in uh, the TCL Broadcast Studios. Good stuff from Lou last segment. Uh, Dave, let's get an update. What's going on in the uh, in the grudge match between Cronin and Collar in the it's next room? It's all over. It's all over. And he won huge, didn't he? The GoldenEye grudge match ended just moments ago. He did not win nearly as easily as the uh, previous bloodbath a few days ago, the 22 kills to zero. But I believe the final tally after three rounds uh, added all together. 15 kills uh, in Matthew's favor to five for Courtney. And what was the score in the match on Collar's home turf? They claimed 22 nothing. Wow. Yeah. All 22 right. donut. Well, at least she at least she didn't embarrass herself this time. And it sounds like the fact they played on a normal-sized TV helped out. And she didn't have the bad controller, which Collar clearly put her with last time. Yes, so. no cherry picking. A lot, a lot of the excuses, which certainly seemed I, at least valid to a point. But, I, yeah, I mean, when you still get dusted 15 to 5, that's that's tough. Actually, let's let's quickly play the uh, the soundbite from Courtney yesterday complaining to Collar about all the things that were unfair. And let's go through the amount of excuses that are actually in this 23-second soundbite because I think it's an impressive amount of excuses. We were playing on a 19-inch monitor, and uh, there's there's just no way with a graphics card from a game from 1998 that you're going to be able to see and understand where you're going. We used to have a rule in my house, no cherry picking. You could not stand near the spot of where the one sole golden gun was or the rocket launcher or the laser. There's no strategy involved in that. That's the, that's the loser's way out. Is that four or five? I believe I would say four, four and a half maybe. Uh, but frankly... That, that's doctored audio. There's there's some more that frankly just didn't make the cut that were also put in there right. as far as excuses. So they were they were laid on thick. All right, let's get to uh, actually we have two doses of breaking news. Jamie Watson, you uh, pointed this one out. There is a significant uh, movement in the soccer world that's going to send a superstar to the United States. Yeah, so this is long talked about. Uh, when would this happen? Could this possibly happen? And ESPN FC is reporting that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who in the soccer world is a household name, uh, maybe not to the casual fan. He is one of the most outspoken, cocky, brazen, but can back it up with goal scoring. Place, currently plays for Manchester United. Good mustache, it, too. A great mustache, great ponytail. Uh, he's like 6'5". Every, everything you want to be from a pro athlete, this guy is a physical specimen in the soccer world. 
He It is being reported that he is leaving Manchester United, that he has played his last game for Manchester United, and he will sign a deal moving to Major League Soccer with the LA Galaxy being the destination at a report of about $3 million a year at age 36. On a scale of 1 to when Beckham did the same thing, where does this rank? As Be- far as, far as a, a positive movement for uh, soccer in this country and in particular the MLS. From a name grab, this is the next biggest grab after Beckham. Beckham set the scale. Sure. From a playing standpoint, you were talking about a 36-year-old player who tore his ACL last year. Mind you, recovered in about six months from it. So he's on the Adrian Peterson recovery. That's why I say specimen, because I tore mine and it took me twice that to get back. Uh, From a soccer uh, perspective, this would have been a great move four or five years ago. It is not the best signing to immediately impact, but from a name grab, this is about one of the biggest names that you can grab. This sells tickets. This sells tickets. This sells merchandise. This gets you attention from around the world when he comes and he plays a game and he puts on the LA Galaxy jersey in Major League Soccer but he is not at his prime anymore. I don't think that this is a move Minnesota United would have made, uh-huh. even if it was available, because I don't think this is the best way to spend your money. But when you're the LA Galaxy and you are competing now against LAFC, a second MLS team that is in LA, an expansion team this year. Where are they, where are they playing? LA Galaxy? They play, no, no, the uh, new team. They are building a stadium, uh, Bank of California Stadium, that will be completed in the next couple of weeks. Okay. So they're playing a, a, a road-heavy schedule at first. Yep. And so now LA, LA Galaxy play at the StubHub Center, same place where the Chargers, Chargers play. Yeah. Um, this is a big move from a world view of soccer that this guy will grab headlines around the world for moving to Major League Soccer in the LA Galaxy. And he comes here when? Uh, well, it's saying he's reported he's played his last game for, for oh, Manchester so, United. Oh, because they, they still have two months left, right? They're still in their season, yeah. So it, it's looking they go as though... They May, don't they? Yeah, and this this could happen at any point. He could he could break his deal. I don't know all the specifics of it, but if it's getting down to actual numbers and it's being confirmed by a couple different sources, um, yeah, that, that looks like it's going to be happening. The uh, second piece of breaking news, which actually uh, took place this morning, is the Twins announced they have optioned right-handed reliever Alan Businitz and Tyler Duffy to Rochester. The active roster is now at 38 players. Uh, nine roster, nine non-roster players remain. 15 pitchers, four catchers, 12 infielders, and seven outfielders. And I think Phil Hughes is going to uh, pitch today for the Twins. And there's a good chance, it sounds like, that if they do use a fifth starter to start the season he will be it. Dave Harrigan, what is coming up and stuff that we should know about? Well, we are going to talk about that Twins broadcast today as they take on the Yankees in about an hour and a half. We've got a couple big NBA performances last night and a little about the NCAA basketball tournament as well that uh, well resumes today. And we shall do it from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. They're so mentally unsound that they need some inspiration. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. And Stuff You Should Know About is sponsored by your neighborhood Ace. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks with Ace's Extra Mile Promise. Get everything you need to paint in one trip or deliveries free. Visit acehardware.com for details. And now, Please rise, men, remove your caps, as we honor America 
and the Twin Cities sports scene with the playing of Stuff You Should Know About. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave Harrigan, what do you have for uh, Jamie Watson and myself today? Well, you just mentioned the Twins making a couple uh, roster moves. Buzenitz and Duffy sent uh, down to AAA, option down. They got a ball game today, 12.05 Yankees, and ESPN's uh, rolling out the red carpet. They're calling it the grudge match of the AL wild card round. They or aren't something really, like are that. they? I don't know. They what didn't really put a tag it. on it, did they? You know what? I have this little ESPN Please stats and info packet. Let me see what the actual headline is because they do mention oh, no. it here as I flip. A lot through. of hype for for a preseason game. That is well, AL wild card game rematch on ESPN two. Oh, One AL Eastern, wild card rematch. noon central. Uh, but they're rolling out the brand new Sunday night crew along with Jessica Mendoza, who's sticking around, A Rod and Matt Vaskersian on the play by play noon uh, today. I did not know this until I saw uh, Dustin Morris, the Twins PR uh, head honcho, yesterday tweeted a picture of the three of them in his office. I can't decide if this is how well this is going to work or not yet. With I like Vaskurgeon. I still haven't decided on A-Rod. I sort of liked him on Fox doing the studio stuff. I didn't love him. I liked him. I thought he was, he was better than I thought he would be. I'm curious, though, to see this team. I'm not quite sure yet. Not quite sure I'm going to be sold. I'm in on Vesgersion. I think Mendoza's good. A-Rod brings good info. I just can't get over the fact that he's A-Rod. That's know. the only problem. He's still so plastic. He's still so manufactured. He's still so slimy and greasy. And ugh. I think the novelty of him wears off very quickly. I think it's exciting that it's A-Rod, and I think it worked in the in the postseason because it's the postseason and it's exciting and it's A-Rod. It fits the, the big scale of the World Series but you want to push him on a Tuesday night in May? Yeah, well, it's also the the studio stuff also was in short bursts. Oh, Sunday night makes yeah, no, Tuesday night. Right, you but, know what I mean? But it, my thing is, okay, in short bursts, he gave some good information. But is this now going to work? Where, to your point, Jamie, you sit down for three hours. Three hours and of a rod. I agree is with a Dave. Lot. I agree with Dave. It's just like you keep coming back to. I don't know about this guy. Yeah. Not to mention it's Sunday night baseball, which means a lot of the time it's the Yankees or the Red Sox, so it's more like four hours. Yeah, good point. Three. Good point. Uh the NBA last night, first of all, is it like two thousand five again? Howard ball fake. Howard. Left hand. Howard. Too easy. Monk drives in on Allen. Howard with the jam. Monster numbers for Dwight Howard. 32 points, 30 rebounds for Dwight Howard. Last guy to do that was Kevin Love in 2010. Before that, Moses Malone, 1982. <laughs> and not to be outdone, uh, LeBron went and only uh, went, went and had his giant game as well against the Raptors as the uh, Cavs beat them. Oh, you know, just 35 points, 17 assists, mm-hmm. seven boards, mm-hmm. zero turnovers. He assisted or scored on a total of 80 of the Cavaliers' uh, 132 points. And he's the first guy to put up in numbers like that, 30 and 15, with no turnovers since turnovers were even first tracked in 1978. I think the important thing in the case of uh, Dwight is this. You were playing the Brooklyn Nets, correct? It was Charlotte and the Brooklyn Nets? Correct. A tank job on both I don't know. Is there any sport now? Now, in all sports, for the most part, in most sports, we have some form of tanking at times. But, gentlemen, is there anything like an NBA tank job? I think in the NBA, when you quit, you don't just say, I don't care if we lose. You aggressively try to lose by as much as possible. Yeah, there's there's no way. NBA 
hands down. You can say the NFL maybe is the second closest to that, but even then, that comes down to individual plays, and that's hard to tank on every individual play. A basketball game, because it's so fluid, that's the, the most obvious, the easiest. Two points turns into four, turns into 10, turns into now you're losing by 18 points a night. And it's obvious that, with the substitution patterns yeah. and everything. I mean, that's look at Cuban, by the way. I mean, Mark Cuban in Dallas literally saying it's not the worst idea for it. You're right, because the draft is so important to get a higher pick because it can be a pick that turns around your program. So he's right. He just can't say it. Obviously, it cost him 600 grand. Well, he did. That, that might have been a mistake. Dropping the bucket to old Cuban. He'll be fine. Uh, what, do you remember this quote, this soundbite from back in the middle of college football season, Nick Saban, Alabama? You know, all that stuff you write about how good we are and all that stuff they hear on ESPN, it's like poison. You know what I mean? It's like taking poison, like rat poison. All right, so I'm, I'm asking them, are you going to listen to me or are you going to listen to these guys about how good you are? All right, just like your question right now, if we get stopped three out of four times, like that's a bad thing. We're not going to beat everybody 66 to 3. That word. I remember it very well. Poison. Poison. He yep. trotted it out again a couple weeks ago or a couple weeks after that. Well, I think it's officially become the college uh, sports buzzword now because John Calipari yesterday talking about his Kentucky Wildcats and how everyone's like, well, you had a tough road, but now, you know, Virginia bounced out, Arizona was bounced out. You've got a clean road to the Final Four as a five seed, right? My challenge um, is making sure these kids don't drink that poison. That poison being we have an easy road. There are no easy roads in this tournament. Um, if they drink that poison, we'll be done Thursday. I think the coaches are right, by the way. As much as we, this this is the worst take to have, being on the other side of it now as a sports analyst who is on the show with, with you gentlemen today, as an athlete, the worst thing you can do is start believing what people say about you. Because you are either the best player that ever played the game or you're the worst player that ever played the game. Mm -hmm. One of the best advice I ever got, and it was almost too late in my career, was you're never as good as people say and you're never as bad as people say. And if you can actually believe that, you can't tune out what people are going to say about you. It's impossible to not... Read a paper. It's impossible to oh, not look oh, at a headline. Oh, no, no, Get no. on coaches, social media. Coaches tell us all. Coaches and players say they, <laughs> they never read liars. the papers. They're liars. not. On, they're not on Twitter. Come on, Harrigan's heard the same thing. They oh, all sure. Lie. No, no, they, no. They don't read it. No, they, they don't listen. Lies. But you say anything? That's bulletin board material. They all read everything. <laughs> everything. Of course but they the do. problem is, and and if my kid ever gets half decent at a sport, either one of the kids. Yep. If they become half-decent, I will never let them have a social media because I don't want them to sit there and actually think that Joe Schmo, who paid $19.99 a month for his Comcast uh, internet subscription, and then he signs up for a free website like Twitter, says something that, like, wow, you are so great. You don't need to do anything to work on this. Or he says you're the worst player. You're trash. And then my kid starts believing it. I, I, that would be the, the one thing I would do if I had any control over an athlete that's coming up. I would not let them pay any attention to that. And I would get it in their head from day one. You don't know who's writing that, if they know what they're talking about or if they have no clue. Your kids are how old now? Two and a half and one. Okay. By the time they can actually, let's say they're decent at sports, 
The ship's going to have sailed. There's no way to insulate them from that. I will tell them from the day they can start remembering that every person on here doesn't know what they're talking about. Okay, so but it you're gets gonna, ingrained from day one. But are you going to try to keep them off of it, or are you go, or would you allow them on it and give them per, the perspective that you think they should have? I'm going to do exactly what a parent should do, and I'm going to lie to them until they can be old enough to figure it out that I maybe tainted their like image this. of what it is. I like this. This is good. This is good. I've always said that. In some cases, there's nothing wrong with lying. Absolutely. 1999 for internet. That's a great deal. Yeah, actually, that's Holy true. That's, it's, it's like seventy nine ninety nine. We're on Fox Sports North, and <laughs> I called so Comcast cheap. to try to get the package with it, and they told me, "Yeah, sure, no problem." Uh, to get Fox Sports North, so you can watch yourself, uh, that'll be an extra like sixty dollars by the time you upgrade your package and all. And I'm like, "Yeah." Oh, oh, well, we well, pay you're vain enough to pay eighty. Look, if it was seventy five, <laughs> maybe eighty is where I draw the line. Oh, what I pay now, it's ridiculous. But guess what? I'm never cutting the cord. Never. No. The cord will not be cut in my house until I'm carried out in a wood box. I agree because I love Fox Sports North. That's where we're on games are on. So you can you couldn't see Minnesota United on it. You could stream them though. You could cut the cord and stream those games. But you have to. uh, But then you don't get like HGTV and who you know who doesn't Uh want to watch Fixer Upper. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) we get to the bottom of it. Um, Let's uh, let's stick to the tournament and let's talk about the dress code for basketball players. Around the Horn, once in a while uh, from ESPN, they tweet out little uh, videos of what the guys are talking about before the show, before the uh, the cameras start rolling. Uh, Bomani Jones has thoughts on what the uh, basketball players, many of them are opting to wear on their lower halves this year. I'm a little thrown off <laughs> that dude. these children don't respect what we have, what we have, the efforts that we made. Mm-hmm. Iverson fought so that you could wear the baggiest shorts that you possibly ever wanted in life, and these young boys just want to come out here and, and like dress like their granddaddies well, on basketball court. It's not even just court. the short shorts with compression underneath; it's the short shorts without compression underneath. Yes. Right. That's just, I mean, just showing a lot of, thigh. of upper thigh being shown by these youngsters right now. I like they it. About something else. I kind of <laughs> like it too. Because there was a point to be just fair though, Bomani. There was a point where things got too far and I remember it being Arkansas where it was yes, like 1994. These, yes, That's right. These pants are too long, y'all. But I don't they understand. they they are still freedom fighters and I feel like there's no <laughs> respect being shown for what they put in on this grind. Oh. I haven't even, I guess I don't, because so many guys wear the compression stuff. Oh, yeah. In basketball now, I don't even see the shorts. Yeah, like, well. Like the Fab Five where you saw that, and they were really long. And then, of course, if you go back and watch the Celtics play from 1974, you see how short those are. But so many guys now wear what, to me, look like leggings of some sort that I don't even notice the shorts. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, compression shorts are an absolute must from an athlete. You have to have them. If you don't, it's it's... It's not comfortable. The whole entire, like, everything's not comfortable? Yeah, everything's or? not comfortable. I mean, look, we'll go, we, you, there's there's two short shorts, you there's can, two long shorts. Yeah. You need to find a happy medium, but the compression shorts is, you have to, you have to compress everything. Ba- basketball players basically wearing pants to me still looks weird. It's still, I mean, I know what you're saying, and I understand why you would want to do it, but it still looks weird to me. It's it's that it's it's technology. Very man. uncomfortable yeah. talking about compression. Oh no, I'm not. Let's break it down. No, Let's oh, go no, deep no. dive. No, 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 on... no, I'm not uncomfortable <laughs> at all. I'm interested to a certain degree, and then I don't want to know much more than that. But I'm no, I'm not. Uncomfortable but it, it is at all. the it is the most comfortable thing to wear underneath. Whether it's whether it's uh, and actually like the longer ones, yeah. keep your legs warmer, so you feel like your muscles are warmer. They stay warmer. They don't get tight as much. 
Okay. You're like muscles. Okay. You I, got. I'm glad that they're comfortable. Look, I'm your expert on go-to on, on how to keep a man's hamstrings loose. You know what I mean? Now, have, have you picked up on, on the fact that guys are wearing shorter shorts again? I I have not even picked up on, on that during the tournament, and I've watched a few games. I'll put it this way. Have you ever worn long, like, shorts to bed, and you, like, try to get comfortable in the bed in long shorts that, like, the, I got my it shorts catches? That, that you know what I mean? I wear to like, bed, yeah. Yeah, they're, 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 I'm going to guarantee you they don't go past a certain point. Because if you have too long of shorts and you try to like move your legs and you're like, shorts are in the way, it's uncomfortable. The shorts I wear to bed go probably halfway down my thigh a little bit. Yeah. So they're they're baggy. In case you're wondering how much guy thigh Judd's old guy shows at night. It's about halfway down, Dave Harrigan. Wow, that's a lot more than I anticipated. It's it's I mean it's Well, I don't wear short I don't like short shorts. Well it sounds like you said halfway down your thigh. That's pretty short. Well, I think that's pretty normal, standard, right? There's a there's a there's a buffer area of about one to two inches of guy well, I feel thigh. I like go to my knee. See, that's yeah, that's I agree. Well, yeah, I mean, I I want to be comfortable. The the thing, the only thing that I really regret about my life is this: <laughs> when I see high school kids now, high school boys or college kids, like they go everywhere in shorts or sweats of some sort. And if I tried to do that in 1988 at Benilde. I wasn't allowed to. It's always like you got to wear jeans or you got to wear pants of some sort. The fact that the youth of America now gets away with being comfortable 24 hours a day and I couldn't really makes me bitter. That that is the the only thing I only ever wore shorts and sweats for 12 years as a player showing up to the locker room. See, that's Except where I, for wish game I was night. an athlete now. If I had to yeah, wear if I had to wear jeans back in the day, I would be like this is so uncomfortable. I can't wait to get back into sweats. It, Suits now? I have to wear suits now? Oh, I know you're you kidding do. me. Yeah, yeah, no, you look good on the sideline. Thanks, buddy. But that's if straight. I could do it. If I could do it, I would wear either sh- uh, mesh shorts or sweatpants to work here every single day. Oh yeah. The the I think growing, we get talking to. the growing upset acceptance, yeah. and we've got a lot long ways to go. Don't get me wrong, but the growing acceptance of casual wear of athletic wear in society today is one of the greatest victories I think we've had as America. That and it is, but I miss too much of it. So I wish that hey, you still got get a on life board. To live, it's my not man. too late. No, I do. No, I do it now. I do it now. But I still get looked at sideways when I tell the wife when when we go That's out to brunch. Problem. When we go out to brunch, and I'm like, I'm wearing the sweats. I still get the look of, Are you really going to? And I'm like, Yes, I really am going to. Because look at the rest of society. Well, but so girls go go leggings, yoga oh, pants, yes. which, which is a complete racket. That is that is the biggest because they sell those things as real everyday work pants. Let's be honest. There's there's fire, there's the wheel, and then there's yoga pants. <laughs> Top three inventions. <laughs> Chris Wright, CEO of United, Great transition will join Chris us at eleven thirty. Plenty more boss. to go. Oh no problem, Mackie and Judd. That's Jamie Watson in for Phil TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey. A little smartass running around giving orders to everybody. Judd Zolgad. Judd. Do you enjoy any part of your job in any part of sports? Is there anything you take joy in? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Join Matthew Collar and 1500 ESPN at Willie McCoy's in Bloomington. He'll be down there from 8 to 10 p.m. this Saturday. It is the ultimate college basketball tournament viewing party basket pong. Prizes galore, some bracketology perhaps, and fantastic beer specials. It's sponsored by Dosakis. More details are at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events.
Mackie and Judd today, Zolgad, Jamie Watson from United, not the, but he is the sideline reporter for Minnesota United. As I said, Chris Wright, the CEO of the club, will join us at 1130. We're in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Uh, So how many of your players, and, uh, you know, I understand that they don't come under a ton of criticism probably, especially locally. How many of your players do you think completely ignore the media or attempt to say that they do? Off our last conversation during stuff, how many actually do, or how many would say? I, I uh, both. Both. How how many do you think actually do, and how many try to sell that they do? There are there are a few that are outspoken. The great follows on on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, all that. Jerome Tiasone is a great one. Christian Ramirez is a good one. Uh, Miguel Abar, Ethan Finley. These, those guys are great. They embrace it. Uh, Harrison Heath. They're all really good at it. When it comes to the negative stuff, or how great you are, how bad you are. They'll all tell you that they don't pay attention to that. They don't check the mentions, you know, all that. You know, I don't see what people are saying after a game. Lies. All of them lies? All of them Do any of them manage? The only ones that may not check it are the ones that legitimately don't have a a Twitter account or Instagram or anything like that. You don't really get a lot of trash talk on on Instagram, per se. It's mainly Twitter. Yeah, Twitter Twitter is Because your mentions will blow up. Yes, that's, that's the one. So if you have one... You know what people are saying. You notice it only because I. It's like it's like me. If if I have a completely clear iPhone and then all of a sudden I get one notification on an app, I can't have the little thing that says there's one thing unchecked. If it goes to the mentions, I've got to check it. So when you played, if you had a bad game, did you try delayed? Not, did you try not to even look for a while? Not till the next day. But I then w- you couldn't help yourself, and you would look. Yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah, you that's would. what I figured. Yeah. Sometimes you'd see one, two, or three, and then you would scroll past. You'd start to go, okay, I'm just going to assume all of these aren't great. And then there'd be one or two that'd pick you back up. There'd be a couple every now and then that would make you go, that one really hurt. That that one stung. What stung? Accurate criticism that was too close to home or just harshness of the criticism itself? Yeah, just the, the ones that would like really hit close to home. Something that like really meant something to you and they 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 poked at that and you know said you're really bad at something you thought you were really good at you'd be like oh no like really like that of all, of all things like you know it, it's there's some I don't think people should should rush to Twitter to talk trash about somebody first and foremost I think we're in a world where why say something mean why go out of your way to say something mean to somebody but if you're gonna say it, Gosh, when you throw the at before it so they can particularly see it, you are a special kind of jerk. I would agree with that. If you're going to say it, yeah, say it where would... they would have to go search their name. They would have to look to to sought out to well, find you saying that about them. And the issue with Twitter, too, is that is it, it would be different if you added somebody and there was always your name attached to it. But Twitter, you can hide behind accounts and so it's easy to at Jamie Watson and rip you, sure. And yet you have no idea who I am, right? Which is what makes it especially that makes it especially gutless. Yes. Now, if it's a fan or if it's somebody from the media who's going to criticize you, and you're like, "Oh, I know that person, and that hurts, and I'm mad at them," at least then you can put a face with the Twitter account. And there's more respect to that Our actually. If you're going to do yes. it, at least be able to say, "This is something I would say to a person." Like that's what I think when I'm watching a game and I'm breaking down a game as an analyst now. Everything that I say on air is something I would say to a player's face. Right. Because I think that's the only way that you can actually give astute, real criticism of somebody 
is if it's well thought out enough to say what I'm saying is so articulate that you don't have to like it necessarily, but it has validity to it. And I would say it to your face.